Warrior Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School Podcast. This is episode 204, 204, baby. How are ya? What's going on in your world? What is going on in your world? It's nice to be here with you. We're going to do a solo one today. You and me, baby. We're going to talk about training and performing through PMS. Yeah, we're going to talk about PMS today. Uh, but first, let's catch up. I don't have a hot drink in my hands. Uh, I have water and an adrenal cocktail. It's 3 p.m. here in the afternoon. She's hot. She's a hot one uh, here in Vancouver, which is delicious. I love it. Uh Oh, it's Monday. I'm recording a podcast on Monday because I like to break rules sometimes. Uh, I just felt like jumping on. I had some space this afternoon. I had just uh, finished up recording some stuff for Inside of Warrior School. This month, we're focusing on uh, adaptation. That's kind of our theme, concept, idea that we're talking about. And so... I'm talking to all the warriors about how to adapt, how to confidently modify, adapt their plans, their strategies, their training, their food based on uh, different conditions that come up in life. And I just recorded a call on adapting our food and training uh, based on our menstrual cycle and where we are in our cycle to help us uh, perform and get the most out of our training, which is super cool. And here I am. Uh, we're also going to talk about cycles. And yesterday, yesterday I I got up at 6.30 a.m. to watch the men's singles uh, final at Wimbledon. I'm a huge tennis fan. <laughs> Carson said yesterday when he got up a couple of hours after I did, he's like, it's so weird that you watch tennis. Uh, <laughs> I love tennis. I love it. I don't like playing it because I'm not good at it, but I love watching it. And this love started when I was, I, I probably was about 12. I'm going to have to say we went on a family holiday to Hamilton Island. And so that's, you know, like up the coast, off the coast in Australia. Uh, and it rains a lot there. Uh, and we happened to be there in January and it was raining so much, like torrential rain. It was horrible weather. And the Australian Open was on. So I started to watch it because we were inside. <laughs> there was nothing else to do. And I got obsessed with tennis. So I watched it growing up all through adolescence, through high school. Uh, I lived in Melbourne for seven years and I've been to the Australian Open dozens of times, I think. Well, not dozens because there's only one a year. <laughs> I lived there for seven years. So not dozens, but a handful of times, I think, in the seven years I went, at least four or five. Uh, and prior to that, I had even went uh, as, I think, I went when I was like 18 or 19. 
specifically to Melbourne for the Australian Open. Uh, so I watch it when I can. So I got up at 6.30, watched, I think it was like four and a half hours of tennis. It was a phenomenal match. It was such a good match. Uh, and then, you know, I took Hank for a walk, went to the gym, uh, and then I came back and I actually watched the Netflix documentary series of uh, Point Break on Netflix all afternoon. I sat there and watched um, the tennis documentary. And then I downloaded Andre Agassi's uh, autobiography onto my Kindle and started reading that. So I had a full day where I just spent a lot of time with tennis and it was divine. It was so delicious. I loved it. Uh, Don't worry, we're not going to talk about tennis today. Um, And then what else is going on in my world? It's like three and a half weeks till Nashville to Confidently Ever After. So I'm just organizing some stuff for that. That is creating a little bit of friction, uh, which always comes up when you are organizing an event. Uh, So I'm just trying to work through a couple of things that aren't going to plan right now. Uh, So I'm doing that. And... There's lots of stuff going on inside of Warrior School. I just sent out my weekly email today and in there had our plan for the next five months. So I've planned out the next five months of our year inside of Warrior School. And we have some epic, epic, epic things happening. We're doing this really cool thing uh, called the Reset, which the idea came from Brooke Castillo, who I've spoken about before. Uh, I heard it on one of her podcasts a long a long time ago, and I really like this idea of, you know, I'm really into sprints and challenges, and we're running our second Warrior Queen Challenge in September. So I thought it would be a really cool idea to bring in this idea of a reset uh, before we go for a sprint, and that's what we're doing in August full month. Uh, and I'm going to do a podcast episode about it. And I'll, I'll share a little bit more about how we're running it inside the school and the warriors experience. So I'll do a podcast on that in August, then September, she's coming back. (gasps) Warrior queen challenge 2.0. She's going to be bigger and better and bolder. Uh, so I'm currently organizing that. It was so fun. We ran it uh, January, February, March this year for three months, 12 weeks, and the Warriors just loved it. I'm sure if you've been listening to the podcast, you heard all of their podcasts uh, talking about it. So we're bringing her back. She's going to go for 10 weeks and she's going to start on the 4th of September. And then I've just started to plan out end of year events. So inside of Warrior School, we do an end of year event every year. It's online just because Warriors are all around the world. I work with women all over Australia, uh, all over America, here in all over Canada and in Europe uh, and the UK. So Uh, It's online and this year's event theme is a really cool one, a really special one. And I got the idea from a couple of different places, uh, which I'll do a podcast episode on this idea or theme uh, soon in a couple of months time. 
because I am doing a lot of thinking about it, a lot of planning, a lot of researching, a lot of reading, uh, and I want to have the idea really set in stone uh, and concrete before I share it. But it's going to be very cool. Uh, Okay, let's talk about PMS. Okay, so PMS, premenstrual syndrome (laughs) or premenstrual symptoms. You know, that hot, fun, like five, seven, ten days before your period, you know? You know that time I'm talking about? I think I'm going to kick it off uh, by saying that your cycle should arrive regularly, on time, and mostly without symptoms. Should I say it again? Yeah. Your cycle should arrive regularly, on time, and mostly without symptoms. And if she ain't, there's some stuff going on. Uh, that we'll cover today. So there have been quite a few studies uh, or reviews really examining the perceived performance uh, of females when it comes to their menstrual cycle, particularly in that last phase of their cycle, the luteal phase. And those five to seven days before their pyramid, their pyramid, not their pyramid. I was just talking about pyramids in my previous call. I was talking about hierarchies and foundations and pyramids Uh, before their period, period. Amy, you're talking about periods, not pyramids. Uh, So studies examining this perceived performance consistently report that female athletes identify their performance to be relatively worse during the early follicular phase, so the first couple of days of their bleed and the late luteal phase, so that five, seven, sometimes even up to 10 days before their period, not pyramids. (laughs) Uh, so studies that examine, uh, objective performance. So you have these, you have two sides to it when it comes to studies and research, we have this objective, uh, qualitative side where we're measuring data, you know, biomarkers, biofeedback, uh, And then we have this subjective side, which is qualitative. And so it's perceived, uh, it's based on, you know, how we feel or how we perceive that we are feeling and performing uh, in certain phases of our cycle. So studies have looked at both. They've looked at perceived performance and they've also examined objective performance. So using anaerobic, aerobic or strength related tests. So you've probably heard myself, uh, other people kind of in the hormone physiology space, Dr. Stacey Sims, um, speak about, you know, strength training and strength training in the follicular phase, uh, us, you know, being able to maybe train harder uh, at higher intensities in that first phase. And then, you know, our aerobic capacity or performance uh, being a little bit better in that second phase. But 
the studies that examine objective performance, they don't really report clear, consistent effects of the impact of the menstrual cycle phase on physical performance. And so a lot of the um, the recommendations or, you know, the reviews or the research, they're talking about it from perceived performance. So when, and we're going to talk about some of them today, one in particular done by Kelly, who um, her account is period of the period, and she's amazing. She's a phenomenal researcher, and I'll dive a little bit deeper into that in a second. But what they're finding is that physical performance has been, I guess, postulated to change over the course of a menstrual cycle due to various things that are happening, such as um, altered muscle activation, substrate metabolism changes, so the use of fuels uh, changes over the course of the menstrual cycle, uh, our thermoregulation changes, and body composition. So these changing levels of hormones, like our female sex hormone concentrations, uh, could could be responsible for altered force production. And this could affect muscle strength and power. And some research has found that when, uh, you know, in that first phase of our cycle, when we really have estrogen on board, we have more force production and increase muscle strength and power compared to the luteal phase. So what's, what's kind of happening? Well, we've got estrogen and progesterone. And so estrogen kind of comes on stage uh, just before ovulation. We ovulate, it dips a little bit, and then it does come back on stage when progesterone comes on stage. So progesterone is the dominant hormone in the second phase, estrogen in the first. But estrogen is also high in that second phase. So that's why it's called the high hormone phase. So when they ramp up and they peak, they peak around approximately around five days prior to menstruation. So that's when they're at their peak uh, on the center stage, dancing away uh, five days prior to your bleed. This is when PMS can kick in. Now, I've worked with some women that can experience it, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten days prior to their bleed. Uh I have worked with women that sometimes experience a big drop in energy around ovulation and when the estrogen drops off and then they start to feel a little bit better when estrogen comes back on, but then they can start to experience um, PMS uh, type symptoms, those five, seven, ten, uh, even up to 10 days prior to their bleed. So this is when it can kick in. And the reason why is we've got, we're in high hormone phase high hormone phase (laughs) and it PMS can impact how you feel uh, your training and your performance uh, in a number of different ways which we're gonna talk about so it can be harder to build muscle because muscle protein synthesis is less robust and we really tend to be more catabolic in this high hormone phase so progesterone is quite catabolic So break down, whereas that first phase, we can look at it as build up. Estrogen's anabolic. The metabolism also shifts. So we actually burn more fat and we spare more glycogen in 
this high hormone phase. And our metabolism also kicks up a notch. So the research actually shows that we're burning about 100 to 200 additional calories a day. And some research has shown an increase by like 2.5%. Others uh, has shown up to 11.5%. There's many variables obviously involved in the metabolism in our resting metabolic rate. It depends on age. Um, It mainly depends on fat-free mass, so lean muscle mass. uh, That's what's going to uh, determine your resting metabolic rate. But so we've got these changes in the type of fuel that the body prefers to use and we've got this uh, increased uh, resting metabolic rate. So our body wants additional energy and so this is where we can really link in potential cravings, um, blood sugar regulation issues, so moodiness, um, irritability, anxiety. Uh, Our bodies may just need more energy. Uh, they may need us to actually just eat an additional 100, 200 calories a day. Also, it may just need us to change the composition of our meals. Um, So potentially looking at uh, proteins, carbs and fats in the meals and is that actually working for us, especially in that second phase of the cycle? Our blood, uh, our blood plasma volume also dips. So high levels of estrogen cause fluid shifts. And this could be why some women get bloating. Uh, and then the plasma volume can drop by as much as 8%. And this is what also causes our heart rate to increase. So we've got this uh, blood plasma volume stuff happening and that's mostly because of these um, high estrogen levels so we've got fluid shifts which potentially can link into the bloating side of things we've and it increases our resting heart rate which makes temperature regulation a bit harder because progesterone elevates core body temperature and your um, it's just harder to sweat and cool off We also could experience cramping and GI issues, Uh, so those can occur. And this is because our body releases prostaglandins during this phase and it's to help shed uh, our uterine lining. So we actually need to make them. Uh, It's really important to help us shed the lining and that means that we can experience cramping and GI issues. And so those of you that experience quite intense cramps or have like period poos where you get changes in bowels. Uh, So some women experience diarrhea, others um, can experience constipation. And it it is because, or it can be because um, the release of prostaglandins. uh, Then we kind of just lose our (laughs) drive, mojo. Uh, We kind of just get a little flat And this is because those two hormones really affect our hypothalamus, which is in our brain. And when they're high, uh, we can experience some fatigue, uh, low mood. uh, We feel lethargic. We feel a little bit flat. So they definitely play on uh, our mood and how we feel. So research shows that uh, key performance indicators, so if we kind of link it back into Uh, Yeah, some of the research has shown, you know, the stuff that we just spoke about, 
harder to build muscle. We've got these metabolic shifts. Uh, we have got some blood plasma volume stuff happening. So we could experience bloating, um, temperature stuff, cramping and GI stuff. You know, we've lost our mojo. So this is where we can start to really see how we might experience symptoms. But if we actually look at uh, some of the research, they show that key performance indicators such as like our VO2 max and our lactate threshold remain consistent or constant throughout the cycle. So actually when they take these readings, no matter where a female is in her cycle, they remain pretty constant, pretty consistent. Uh, and so this is this idea that Dr. Stacy Sims talks about how training and performance are different. Performance is one day or one moment in time. Training, we want to think about it across more as a macro across, you know, the whole month. And so we can look at changing some of our food and training strategies uh, to support ourselves or help us adapt a bit better to training uh, across the month. Whereas if we need to perform, we can perform. We can pull out a performance on any day of our cycle because performance is one moment in time. And based on the research, when they measure these more objective uh, data points, they actually don't change a lot. Uh, but we can also take action to counteract some of the I guess, detrimental or annoying aspects of the high hormone phase, so of PMS. And before we look at that, I just wanted to talk about a study. So this study was done by Kelly um, McNutley, I believe her last name is, and she's based out of the UK. She's a researcher. She's doing her PhD uh, I'm not sure exactly what on, but it is on female physiology and they did this study, new study, I think this year, 2023, and it was the symptoms, don't mind my dog, you can probably hear him rolling around on the floor uh, <laughs> or shaking. Uh, this is quite a, um, quite a cool podcast experience for you today. You've got me maybe not flowing on my sentences as well as I normally do. You've got Hank, uh, who's a little hot and frustrated in the background. Uh, so welcome, welcome to the podcast. Anyway, Kelly and her team, they did a study and the study was called The Symptoms Experienced by Naturally Menstruating Women and Oral Contraceptive Pill Users and Their Perceived Effects on Exercise Performance and Recovery Time Post-Training. And what they were really wanting to know was, do cycle-related symptoms influence perceived exercise performance and recovery? I'm just going to take a sip of water because I'm just sweating. I'm sweating. I can't have the fan on because the fan is like a noise in the background of the podcast. Uh, but And then I have to close the doors because they're doing construction and it's so hot in here that I am just sweating. So I just need to take a sip of water. <laughs> then you get to hear that nice sip. Um, okay. So the study examined the type, frequency, and severity of symptoms experienced by women who were naturally menstruating and then women who were on the combined monophasic oral contraceptive pill. 
And what they were looking at was their perceived effects on exercise performance and recovery time. So they actually had 42 uh, recreationally active women, which is a lot. You know, if you look at some of the other research in the studies, they might be using like seven women, eight women, nine women. Maybe if they're lucky, they'll break 10 or 11 or 12. Uh, These researchers actually recruited 42 women who exercised recreationally. So they weren't athletes, but uh, I'm unsure of what their definition of recreational is. I believe like a few times a week. So 21 of those 42 women uh, were naturally menstruating and 21 were on the combined monophasic oral contraceptive pill. And the data that they collected used two approaches. So one, they did an online uh, 54-part retrospective survey. So they asked them questions. And then the second part was a daily questionnaire. So the retrospective survey showed that symptoms were commonly reported by these active women, but there was no difference in symptomology between the groups. And so what they wanted to know was, okay, women who were naturally menstruating versus women who were on the pill, did they have differences in symptoms? And so retrospectively, this, uh, you know, They got the women to look back uh, and they did this survey and they showed that, yes, symptoms symptoms were common, but there was no difference in symptomology between the two groups. So then they looked at the daily questionnaire and it showed both groups experienced a greater frequency and severity of symptoms while bleeding, which was associated with a perceived reduction in exercise performance and a perceived longer recovery time post-training. So what they concluded was overall, from a practical perspective, these results suggest that sports women or recreational uh, female exercises and those working with them should consider regular and consistent moderate monitoring of symptoms uh, and any associated associated impact on exercise performance and training. So in turn, this should be accompanied where needed by individualized management strategies to minimize any negative effects. And what they really concluded at the end or what they recommended is that future research really needs to focus on understanding the influence of PMS or the symptoms on objective markers of performance and recovery. So we just don't have that data. Uh, we don't have that research. As I said, there are there is a little bit of research and the research is showing that actually Uh, It doesn't impact uh, our performance or these objective measures, but we need more research. We need um, more females uh, to be studied, to be able to really understand if, uh, you know, these five, seven, ten days where we potentially do experience uh, PMS, if they actually do impact our physical performance or our recovery or our, you know, our objective biomarkers. Uh, 
So that was a really cool study and I'll link it into the show notes. Uh, So how do we minimize the physiological effects of PMS? So I think the most important thing is that we really need to talk about the what I call the tra- uh, the foundation of training needs for females, or we could also reference it as uh, Holtzman and Ackerman's uh, the foundation of nutritional needs for female athletes. Basically, it's this idea of a hierarchy or a pyramid, <laughs> uh, or a foundation, and we need the base of that pyramid or the base of that you know, um, foundation set first before we look at other things. So I speak about this all of the time. Uh, It's so important to, if you do experience PMS and the second phase of your cycle is pretty crappy, (laughs) Uh, you know, maybe your cycle's a little wacky, it's not arriving on time, it's not regular, and you do experience a lot of symptoms, it's a sign of stress. So there's something going on with the body from a physiological perspective. There's something going on with your hormones. Uh, that's the reason why the cycle's wacky and you're experiencing um, PMS. So we need to dig deeper. Now, where do we start? Well, we start with looking at our foundation, uh, looking at our stress. So we always start with, am I eating enough food? Am I getting an optimal amount of sleep? Am I managing my stress? Am I getting sunlight in my eyes? Am I walking? Uh, What's my environment like? That's at the base. Then the next step we can look at is, okay, well, what's the composition of what I'm eating? Am I eating enough protein, carbs, and fats? Are they balanced well? Uh, Am I eating frequently across the day? Am I balancing my blood sugar? Uh, Am I... uh, so that would be probably the next the next thing that I would look at is, okay, well, are we actually, you know, eating enough of those macronutrients? We could also be looking at the micronutrients or minerals. So if the body is stressed, it leaches out more minerals. So magnesium, potassium, sodium. So I would be looking at, okay, well, what are my macros doing? Am I getting all my macros? Uh, are they balanced well? Am I eating enough of them across the whole day? And then what are my micronutrients doing? What are my minerals doing? So then we could look at that. Then the next step would be, okay, well, maybe I need to look at my nutritional timing or maybe I need to look at the type of training that I'm doing. So is what I'm actually doing in my training working for me or is it creating more stress? Because if I'm experiencing a lot of PMS stuff, My body's telling me that I'm stressed. So what I'm doing is not working for me. So we need to look at doing something different. And the first place I would start is the bottom of your pyramid, the bottom of your foundation. Uh, And then once you've built that, then we could go deeper. If you're still experiencing PMS, uh, then we could investigate a little bit deeper into what's going on with the body. All right, but there are some things that I can give you that can help you manage uh, PMS symptoms. So if potentially you need to be on your A game, maybe you need to perform, maybe you're doing a competition, 
you know, maybe you just really want to get a lot out of training. Uh, maybe you're doing a sprint, maybe you're doing a warrior queen challenge, um, and you're in your high hormone phase. Here's some things that I really recommend on top of all building, having a strong foundation. So what I just spoke about, that's key. That's essential. Remember your cycle should arrive regularly on time and mostly without symptoms. And if it's not, there's some stuff going on. And so we need to dig into that. And we always will start with the bottom of that foundation. Say we've got a pretty good foundation and we feel pretty good at most of the time, but sometimes those five, seven, 10 days before our bleed, uh, we can feel a little bit funky. And remember, every cycle can be a bit different. So say we've gone through maybe um, more stress over the last couple of months. Well, that might not show up. You know, it takes 100 days for the follicle to come on, come on down and come on through. So our cycle that we experienced this month is from 100 days ago. Not saying that what we're doing now won't impact the cycle. It definitely does. But we, you know, we want to look at, okay, well, what, what's been happening a few months before that cycle? So the first one is increase your electrolytes. This is a really big one. So the blood plasma volume stuff, uh, we really want to bump bump it up because it can be uh, reduced by like 8%. We want to bump it up by preloading our system with more electrolytes, especially sodium. Oh, sodium is so important. It's so important. And a lot of us don't have enough sodium, especially if we cook our own food. We eat a lot of like those metabolic foods, whole foods. We're just not getting enough sodium or we're leaching a lot out. Summertime, hot, humid environments, a lot of sweating. We're training. We're a bit more stressed. And then we're in this second phase of our cycle. So sodium-rich fluids uh, during this high hormone phase will help your heart not have to work as hard (laughs) and it will make it easier to sweat and keep cool. So we want to look at, you know, I love Element. You know, I love it. I love Element. It's an electrolyte drink uh, designed by Rob Wolf and his wife. They're amazing. And I drink Element nearly pretty much every day. And I have a lot of my warriors who drink Element and they notice a massive difference. I remember having a conversation with Tina uh, a couple of months ago and she was noticing on the day she didn't drink it, she could see it in her hands, like her hands were dry um, and just look different. And then when she drank her Element uh, and she got more minerals in, she could see that her hand was like plump and moist and uh, And my women notice a massive difference in energy, uh, in performance, in recovery when they get electrolytes in. So especially in this high hormone phase when we've got this blood plasma volume stuff happening, we've got higher body um, core temperature, make sure you're getting in your electrolytes. So you could add some sodium to, you could add some salt to water. You could do, you know, coconut water um, and add some salt. You could buy something like an element uh, and have an element. You could do things like, you know, miso soup or broths uh, if it's a winter time to get a little bit more uh, electrolytes in. 
The second thing we want to do is we want to manage inflammation. So there was a recent study, um, I think it was presented by the North American Menopause Society, and at their annual meeting, uh, they reported that what you eat can impact menstrual pain. And specifically, they found that diets high in omega-3 fatty acids and low in processed foods, um, oils, so like your seed oils, your poofers, uh, and sugar help reduce inflammation, which is really a key contributor to cramping. So eating, you know, and a big one that I see, it's huge, uh, is drinking alcohol. If you really want to help your PMS reduce, actually not even reduce, stop drinking alcohol, (laughs) especially in that second phase of your cycle, uh, I would recommend that you stop drinking alcohol altogether. Uh, Not obviously for the rest of your life, but you know, I've worked with some women who have been really big drinkers uh, and we really need to look at our alcohol consumption. Drinking alcohol every day is not normal. It's not okay. It's quite normal, I guess, in the culture or in society today, but it is not okay. It's not okay on our physiology it's actually very stressful for our physiology. Alcohol runs on the same kind of line, train line, as estrogen. So if you're drinking alcohol every day, estrogen can't get out of the system. It can't exit the station, detoxify. So you get a buildup of estrogen because uh, we can't actually metabolize alcohol. It's a toxin. It has to get out of the body. And so it's on the same train line as estrogen. So it's always going to get out of the station. Uh, Also, it impacts our sleep. Uh, Women think it helps them relax and get to sleep. Uh, It's a sedative. And so, yes, it can, but you can't actually get into deep sleep. Uh, I could do a whole podcast episode on alcohol if that's something that you might be interested in. But one of the most powerful things that you can do if you experience PMS, uh, menstrual symptoms, cramps, you know, bloating, changes in your digestion uh, is don't drink alcohol. Don't drink it. It's an inflammatory food. The other things that you could uh, reduce, some women, uh, they find it really helpful to reduce wheat or gluten, especially if they've got a little bit of a sensitivity to it. Uh, At this time, uh, other women, yeah, like lots of sugar or... Um, some women who don't tolerate dairy as well, uh, they can reduce that a little bit. Basically, what you want to watch for anything that inflames your gut uh, and creates inflammation in your body, you really want to reduce that, especially in the second phase of your cycle, because we're already a little bit more inflamed. Dr. Stacey Sims actually has a PMS protocol that she uses. She calls it her PMS stack. And it's one gram of omega-3s, 45 uh, milligrams, not grams, 45 milligrams of zinc, 200 milligrams of magnesium. And if you can take it, so some people can't take this due to um, their blood pressure being on blood thinners. So this is not medical advice. I'm not advising you to do this. Uh, 
This is Stacey Sims' PMS cocktail, but I even believe she says, please speak to your doctor before you take any type of medication, um, even supplements, especially if you're on other types of medication or you have a medical condition. So hers is one gram of omega-3s, 45 milligrams of zinc, 200 milligrams of magnesium, and if you can take it, 80 milligrams of aspirin or white willow bark. And she recommends to take that seven to 10 days before your period starts every night. And over the course of three cycles, it helps lessen inflammation, bleeding, and PMS. Uh, So why does this work? What's going on if you take this cocktail, this (laughs) non-alcoholic cocktail? Probably not the type of cocktail you really want to take. I know, I know. I just told you to give up the give up the cocktails or the wine and take this fun supplement cocktail. And look, I think obviously I'm going to explain why. um, And there's definitely some robust evidence behind it. But for me, it's always going to come back to that foundation stress management. uh, And there are some key supplements that I take. I recommend my women to take to help on a baseline level uh, and specific foods that you can focus on. So, you know, omega-3s, eat more fatty fish, especially in that second phase of your cycle. Eat more fatty fish, salmon, trout, sardines, um, eat more foods that are higher in zinc. So eat your oysters, take your oyster supplement, uh, make sure you take your magnesium, or you're drinking your electrolytes, you know, you're focusing on your minerals. And then, yeah, potentially taking some baby aspirin can definitely help with inflammation. Uh, Okay, so why? Why would we do this? I'm just going to take a sip of water. Okay, so if we think the second phase of our cycle, more inflammation. Uh, And often women will be told just take like an over-the-counter um, you know, pain relief thing. It depends where you are in the world. Panadol, Advil, ibuprofen, um, basically an NSAID, which can help reduce pain and heavy bleeding, but it doesn't address the prostaglandin issue. Uh, so the prostaglandins affect other organs, so like your kidneys. And so when your hormones drop, so when estrogen and progesterone drop, it triggers the release of inflammatory compounds, so like prostaglandins, um, and the enzyme, I think it's called cyclooxygenase. I think it's cyclooxygenase. I just know it by its short term, which is COX-1 and COX-2 but I'm pretty sure it's called cyclooxygenase, specifically COX-1 and COX-2, which interact with your kidneys um, to play a key role in fluid balance in the body and which are the main reasons for the fluid shifts and the bloating of PMS. Uh, So the NSAIDs don't work as well as aspirin to inhibit both COX-1 and COX-2. So that's kind of aspirin's role. Uh, in in that. So Dr. Stacey Sims recommends a low dose of aspirin along with those other ones uh, to help trigger anti-inflammatory mechanisms essentially 
Our body also uses more magnesium and zinc during the luteal phase as part of the the building of the uterine lining. So we've got to actually make this thing (laughs) and then shed it. So we use more, I guess we could say more energy because we have increased energy requirements in this phase. Um, And we use more vitamins and minerals to make it. So we actually use more magnesium and zinc. So increasing magnesium can um, really help with, uh, they call it decreasing vascular endothelial growth factor, which really just helps us reduce the severity of bleeding. Uh, So magnesium can be important if we actually really bleed heavy and the zinc can help reduce the severity of pain and cramping and bleeding as well. So you've got that little cocktail. Uh, again, please see your please see your health practitioner before taking that. We also want to give so next next tip is that we want to give yourself a blood sugar boost. Boost that blood sugar. Basically, we burn more calories in the second phase of our cycle. Uh, and we spare more glycogen. So the body's not as good at using carbohydrates as our main fuel source especially during exercise so we really want to give our blood our blood sugar a boost by fueling with carbs especially before any long bouts of intense exercise okay so if you're an endurance endurance lady endurance woman this is really important you really want to make sure that you're getting in at like 40 grams of carbs and 10 to 15 grams of protein before any workout longer than 40 minutes and 40 to 50 grams of carbs with protein and fat through real food per hour during long workouts. So it's even more essential if you are in an endurance sport uh, to have a really strong fueling strategy prior to and during that activity or exercise or sport especially in the luteal phase because that body is going to struggle a little bit more to access that carbohydrate to use it as fuel so you want to just bump it up give it a bit extra to be like hey hey I have it here for you please use carbohydrate as my fuel so I can have energy and perform really well uh Then you could also tap into some aids Uh, and Dr. Stacey Sims talks a lot about um, adaptogens uh, and other other kind of aids and so music is another one uh, that can really help especially to get ourselves into the session. Uh, And so you could use music, you could use some adaptogens uh, to help you adapt to stress uh, a little better during this uh, part of your cycle. Okay, that's it. That's all I got for you. If you want me to go deeper on anything, let me know. But always come back to your foundation and your basics And then on top of that, you could add some of these things in that could help you um, still perform during that second phase of your cycle. Okay, Warrior Woman, it was a pleasure to spend time with you and have a great day. Have a great week in training 
And remember, it doesn't matter where you are in your cycle. I believe that you can train well, train hard, perform well, and enjoy training anytime during your cycle. Okay, bye for now. Warrior Woman, thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't, please give the podcast some love by subscribing now. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and share it with another Warrior Woman. Also, if you want to go crazy, I'd love if you wrote a review for the Warrior School podcast. And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.